Welcome to By the Sword, where we discuss the modern study of historical European martial arts, or HEMA, with instructors, experts and martial artists from all over the world. In today's episode, we speak to Kristina Nagy from Hungary. Former HEMA champion, Kristina now trains in Olympic Sabre and is the founder of HEMA Tactical Analysis, where she coaches and brings tactical education to HEMA. In the interview, we discuss modern Olympic fencing, HEMA coaching and refereeing. The episode was recorded on Instagram Live 28 July 2020. Um, so my usual my usual question to all my guests is I don't know if you've seen any of these before uh, how has your lockdown been for the last however many days it is I honestly don't know how many days it's been on since like the middle of spring sometime Um, after that since Hungary wasn't hit so hard and our measures were quite quite quick I think mm-hmm. uh, so we could sort of open inside in, in the country in the middle of summer mm-hmm. so I can say I had um, a pretty isolated few months during which I couldn't go to training couldn't really do anything I've been in home office since so but for me it wasn't that big uh, like that harsh of an experience because mm-hmm. In my regular life, I keep in touch with people online anyway, so... Okay, business I'm, as usual. Yeah, I'm a no-lifer anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> Moving between work and trainings and stuff, but... And dogs, and that's, that's it. So Hungary wasn't uh, particularly harshly locked down compared to other countries, would you say? <laughs> I would say... Well, I would say it didn't last as long, because... I was able to start training again in the middle of uh, June, I think. Okay. There were quite strict measures, but uh, our club was able to actually uh, arrange some trainings for limited groups, etc. With, with quite strict, like temperature measurements and whatever. Okay. But but we had like three times, and during uh, the lockdown, the actual lockdown, we had online trainings with my coach and with uh, groups of kids. And I also ran, uh, actually, it was Diana, Diana's idea, Diana Michalis. Actually, yeah, I have never pronounced her second name yet. Uh, I haven't <laughs> well, ever asked her, actually. I say Michaelis. Yeah, Michaelis. Sorry. Diana. I don't know. I don't know. I'm probably wrong. <laughs> I'm not sure. different. I'm not sure she's here, but I'm sorry. Yeah, she's, she's going to write me and tell me off, probably. Anyway, so... It was her idea, and she she told me one day, "Hey, why don't yeah don't you want to do some footwork classes online?" And I was like, "You know what? That's a good idea. So why not?" And then we then I also invited Arthur Agustiniak, uh, and we three of us started to meet five times a week. And wow! We some foot we worked on basics and improving some basic moves well, with limited stuff because we had each a small room at home uh, and limited tools but but we met and I think that was most important it was sort of a social 
experience and then later others joined so that was quite kind of cool and since that we are still in contact uh, fairly regularly although we have quite a busy life now are you still doing those online footwork classes not at the moment mm-hmm. uh it's mostly because most of the people who were involved they and also i have a quite, quite busy schedule again but but yeah we still talk and we might do it again sometime i don't know so you uh for the people watching uh they might not know you you've got a very interesting uh hema well i will let you tell the story but most people they come to hema from a different background they come to hema from larping or uh model olympic fencing or uh reenactment or or something or or nothing sometimes people don't have any other kind of interests and then they just find hema but you're very interesting because you started in hema and then you you made the move to modern olympic fencing so tell yeah. us how well tell us first of all how you got into hema and why you made the change or how you made the change um well When I was a kid I grew up in a village very there weren't many kind of activities to do especially sports or martial arts or whatever and I had this kind of idea I'm not sure from where probably Duma books or whatever and movies that I really wanted to learn how to use uh, weapons and how to fight and how to control everything around me <laughs> it's probably but many people think or like would like to do be, be able to do mm-hmm. and for that reason i started doing uh, some other kind of martial art i did karate for several years uh, lo- in a local club and when i went to university i found out there was a hema club in in hungary and actually situated in budapest as well and i immediately joined and that's how i started learning historical weapons mm-hmm. um physically i was sort of fit because i because i did other, uh, sports before but it was certainly something that i always wanted to do and i was very enthusiastic and after some time like i don't know how many years i had i started to have some uh, contacts uh, abroad like i started to realize there is an international scene I be- Are we on because I think we are breaking up a bit. Yeah, poor connection it said. Uh, yeah. Okay, I can see you now. Yeah. Okay. So you discovered there was an yeah, international right. scene and and then what happened? Yeah. Yeah, then I I couldn't say I remember every detail. I became friends with people they told me there was this event in Sweden it's called Swordfish and I decided oh hell why why not I should go it's it would be cool at least to see the world at that point in time to be honest I was a bit frustrated uh, or quite frustrated in certain sense because uh, well I I I didn't really see how to continue with my with my training and whatever So I decided I would go um to Gothenburg that year I think it was I don't know some time 20 2010 2011 ish I think so I went there uh there was the first ever women's tournament I have ever seen I entered because 
uh, there were some guys, Matt Gallas and Scott Brown, who sort of, they knew me from before and they were like, oh, go to the women's tournament, it's it's fun. And and I really didn't want to because I felt like, okay, competing is probably not for me and I what could I do there anyway? And I ended up telling Matt that, okay, Matt, if you prepare me, I will go. And he said, okay, I will prepare you. And he sort of gave me a lesson in his own, in his way. And, and I entered and I ended up winning. But there was a series of quite funny and quite nice bouts with there were very few entrants. And I stubbornly only did what uh, Matt showed me in the preparation lesson because mm-hmm. I thought, okay, let's try this. And I, I ended up uh, first place. It was quite fun. Um, I myself wasn't sure how I did it anyway, so that was fun. And there, actually, in the first or second year, uh, I went to Swordfish. I got to know uh, guys from Trnava, Anton and Martin and Tomasz uh, Sirny. Uh, at that point, uh, also he also was doing HEMA. And, and I started visiting them in Slovakia regularly, I think, uh, in... 2011 or 12 and with them I also went to Poland that's how I got to know the Polish HEMA scene and I made friends with uh, people there uh, especially Łukasz Majewski he he was he had a great influence on my career in this sense because he I told him that I had I had problem because I didn't know why I'm winning or why I'm losing or why I'm doing things mm. like practically and I I couldn't really find people to to teach me this where I lived and he was the one who actually ended up convincing me that I should probably uh, go and check out uh, a fencing club uh, in Hungary in Budapest and find a fencing coach he um, he suggested I do epi but I ended up uh, with a quite um, quite different nice accident. Uh, I became friends with um, some teacher at the university and he, he had a friend who was a saber coach and he told me, okay, I will introduce you to him. And it, this coach was called the uh, Maestro Laszlo Sepeshi. He, he took me into the club and I started fencing there. And I started, comp- he was like, of course you are going to compete. Fencing is a competitive sport. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sir. I went to competitions and stuff happened. And now I have switched clubs last year. And now I am also preparing for next year's competitions whenever they come. I'm not sure if or when the season starts. That's the very short story, I think. Okay, so uh, it was suggested to you to, in order to understand, like you said, you said why I was winning or why I was not winning. Yeah. So for you, it was just a case of I go into the ring, I do my thing and it works or it doesn't. And I don't know why. So I had to, for you, it was a a kind of quest to unlock the reason why it was or it wasn't happening. And that's what led you to modern Olympic Sabre. Yeah, it it took quite some time, quite some convincing, actually, because I was like bringing up all these arguments you hear in HEMA uh, all around. Uh, mm-hmm. like some kind of reservations about sports fencing or whatever. Now I have actual terms for what 
I didn't know then. Mm. I know I you had a vocabulary for yeah, the... but back then I I couldn't even describe properly what I didn't know, mm. and and I had the, had in mind that okay I will learn how this is done and I will bring it back to Hema, and I will take whatever it takes. I will do whatever it takes to learn it and and mm. whatever. But then I went there and I realized, okay, these guys know stuff and they, they, it is like common knowledge and like, like basic stuff. Okay. Why, why are you doing this? This is not working that way. It's not gonna, never gonna work. Do this instead. And it, it was like, they were answering questions I didn't know I had. Mm. And I sort of decided, okay, this is a weapon. Anyway, I don't mind what kind of tool I'm using. It's an antenna or a iron bar or whatever. But I'm going to learn to use it well. And for me, what mattered the most is was that, that what I'm doing with this weapon is, is well done. I mean, well prepared, well ta tactically founded, mm -hmm. so to say. And that's how I decided that I would stay with uh, fencing because I found coaches who I could work with there. That was a decisive. Mm -hmm. So it was it was a case of finding people that could provide what you were yeah. looking for and yeah. an environment that suited you. Yeah, um, and, regardless yeah. of what, like you said, regardless of what what, what weapon it was, yeah. they had the tactical and uh, I guess the um, pedagogical knowledge yeah. that was Definitely. missing uh, from your your HEMA background. Um, yeah, it it gives a feeling that there that you can learn how to do it right mm. like there is a way to do it at least there is a way you can measure how you did it right and there are solutions that are known and used and and that sort of booming yes so do you think in your opinion uh in in the in hema as a movement do you think it's now i'm just not just trying to think here. As far as like reviving techniques goes, um, HEMA, HEMA is uh, working okay in that direction. Do you think it's when they add the element of um, competition that we it reveals these gaps in our knowledge that the sports fencing community just has because of how they, like you, like you said, your coach said, it's all about competition. Well, it, it, he said, he quote, this is a competitive sport. Yeah. If you don't want to compete, like if you don't want to do combat, then you pick the wrong sport. That was his. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the end goal is to compete. Yeah. It's, it's, to, it's to win things. And win it's shiny to, things. To, it's to, no, it's to win situations. It's yeah. to overcome stuff. It's to overcome opponents' ideas. Right. That's... And that's how, actually not every coach speaks like that. This it was sort of a harsh opinion, but that's what he said. And I was like, all right, whatever, whatever it takes, I will learn this. <laughs> when I joined the HEMA community, it was uh, 2010. And uh, it was about the time when you started competing. And I remember the, the, the convers conversations were still on the forums that, that don't exist anymore. Most of the dialogue was on these uh, these old forums like Sword Forum International and um, Scholar Gladiatoria. Matt Easton used to have a big forum, and a lot of the conversations there were very uh, 
much sports Svensson community pitted against um, the HEMA community, and it was a there was a real division. Um, and I think in recent years, that that kind of stigma has dissolved somewhat. Uh, you are you are. I don't know if it's because the community is just growing and you are, as a result, getting more people who practice HEMA who are from a modern Olympic fencing background, or people are just kind of waking up and realising that actually these guys know something. Uh, maybe we should listen to them. Um, what's your take on, you know, what the HEMA community needs to do in order to fill in those gaps in their knowledge? This is an extremely big topic, which is also sensitive. And um, well, if I, I think it's first of all, it's both. Like uh, there are more and more. I wouldn't say uh, people. I I don't really know people who personally who <clears throat> came from fencing to Hema. Right. But and especially those who are very successful, they. I don't think they are leaving fencing with yeah, few. Why? Why would they? Yeah, uh, and, but but there are more and more people who are getting influenced by these ideas. There are people that are also learning, like I like I did. Uh, I know this this happens in Poland to some extent, also in Slovakia. Uh, they are looking out for other. Uh, sources of knowledge for the stuff that uh, it's difficult to learn elsewhere mm -hmm. because if we really uh, we have we have to admit that fencing works with the methodology that has never stopped improving you know the training methodology and pedagogy whatever kinds of exercises we still use all those old old forms forms of exercise that were i think used well for centuries basically it's actually it's extremely hard to change these habits because whenever even if you teach something new to an a coach like an, an accomplished coach they it's really hard to to integrate it into the system that you grew up with and when you go to a seminar for a week or two and you don't repeat it over and over again at some point you wake up in the morning and realize okay i don't quite feel this idea anymore but you still have to go to the club and give lessons so you go back to what you learn as a kid mm. and so so this is it's not so easy to uh permanently reform and and throw out old ideas and mm -hmm. even if it is a mistake because there are some admittedly mistaken approaches that are really die hard even in fencing that I know because I talk to coaches um, I don't know it's it's a really great topic and I, I'm certain I'm diverging <laughs> no, I think I think in, in the HEMA community like as instructors most people who are instructors don't really have a teaching background they don't have you know they're, they're kind of essentially just feeling their way and uh the benefit, well, the benefit of that is that they're not that ingrained in their habits and their ways, and they're mm. always asking for like new ideas, new ways to teach things. And uh, how about if we do it like this? You know, looking at this sport and how they teach it, and this and like, um, you know, modern Olympic fencing. If there's one thing that, that I think personally, this is just my take on it, is like 
there's one thing that we're going to take from modern Olympic fencing is the pedagogy. The, 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 the difficulty is that the, the, the habit, well, the necessity that we have in HEMA is to teach groups because you've only got one instructor and like say 15 students. Well, ideally, what you want, like from a sports fencing idea, idea, ideal, is to have one-to-one -one teaching. Yeah, and, that's, um, that's very essential. Yeah, that's yeah essential. And um, I think maybe the HEMA instructors could try if if they're able to maximise. Any any uh, opportunities to do one to one teaching, I think, would make a huge difference um, to to the people that they're te they're teaching. People are typically teaching like they're in pairs all the time. Yes, that's uh, that's one thing, and that's one aspect. Uh, but when we consider that this is a tool of teaching, uh, we also have to uh, realize that there is uh, not only the method of teaching, but the kind of approach and the kind of stuff that you want to teach uh, a student. And here I just had an idea how to maybe explain mm -hmm. uh, what I had in mind. Uh, when I started fencing, and it's probably because I started with HEMA that this was quite um, a surprise for me. Uh, I felt like uh, there is an, another dimension to fencing. Uh, which I've never quite experienced in this uh, obvious sense in HEMA. Right. Uh, I, I could describe it as sort of another dimension, really. <laughs> <laughs> you have to take psychotropic drugs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, the, the, thing, the thing is that the thing that happened or happens is that when, it, when I was doing HEMA, uh, and I still see this approach uh, online in discussions, is that people look at these pictures and some descriptions of how an action looks mm -hmm. and what happened, or you look at a TV screen and, and you think in terms of uh, uh, what do I do if the other person does this? Or what, how does this technique look? How does the outcome look? But uh, when, when it comes to teaching fencing, um, and it it is very uh, basic idea in in, uh, in educate fencing education or analysis also in refereeing. Uh, fencing is not, or fencing actions are not thought, thought about in present uh, tense, so so to say. When you fence, you should think in uh, preparation, anticipation, and analysis of the previous events. When you go into um, a bout and you start doing something with your opponent or to your opponent, uh, if you are successful, <laughs> um, you should be able to decide in advance what kind of realm you want to go in as soon as the referee or whoever tells you to start fence. Um, okay. So it, basically you are not thinking in pictures or outcomes. You are thinking in decision makings, but... Uh, collecting the right kind of information for me to be able to make a certain kind of decision. Because I know I should be able to know that the opponent, based on the previous actions, will, with 70 or 80% probability, do this or that. And that's it. And I should be able to decide that. 
and I have to do my preparation and start my my fencing in this in this spirit really. So and as this a... is missing in him for me that was missing. So it's that collection, yeah. it's that information gathering process uh, stage, because yeah. a, a, a technique where this guy, gentleman A does this, gentleman B does that, doesn't mention anything that's happened before. So we yeah. don't know and what we yeah. don't know what the likelihood is of gentleman B doing that action. He might be if he's doing it out of the blue or like, something be consistent. The, the, yeah, yeah. The, you see the tip of the iceberg, mm. but when you are a fencer and we, when you want to actually face a competitive modern fencer this kind of thinking is not enough like i go there and we'll see what he does or she does and i then i will do something accordingly this this is what you see in the in 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 television like when you look at the bout and you have no idea of fencing like complete lay person mm -hmm. you look at the video and you say afterwards you say okay maybe he hit him and this and this and this but when you know what to look for as a fencer, and the same goes with refereeing, you will have a sort of anticipation of what comes um, mm -hmm. based on the previous sections and the, and the preparations that you are doing. When, when we referee, we, we don't just look at the action and afterwards call the heat, but I am, or we are usually already expecting the heat is going to happen here or there and this and that way. And that's how I can say, I can analyze the action and say that, okay, you attacked him and there was a parry and there was a repost, for example. And I already know that either a hit because there was a bad parry or that there was a hit because there was a successful parry and the repost. So basically, this is not just looking at the outcome, mm -hmm. but already beforehand what's going to happen and what should happen and manipulating the outcome. And the process of elimination. Yeah. You're already when... pretty certain about what's going to happen. Or at least you should be and the one who wins was probably the one who was more certain about what's the opponent going to, what the opponent is going to do. Of course there are lucky uh, hits but statistically I think this is true. Yes. Okay. Uh, I haven't got a clock in front of me. Have you got the time, Christina? Um, oh, I don't think. Yeah, well, no, I don't think so. Sorry. Okay, let me second. find the time. Oh, oh, I, <laughs> uh, because I have to, I have to press phone, and I'm not sure. Half past. Um, yeah. I'm going to switch. Um, the question, well, I'm going to give the floor to uh, the viewers. Right. If anyone has any questions for Christina. Um, I saw Robin said something earlier. She said, um, I did a four month introduction to modern Olympic fencing just to learn how they teach. Yeah. Um, that's quite I think that's that's quite the spirit for mm -hmm. for a hit. It can be quite a a, a strong experience. I would say yes, and still, it's difficult to find. Oh, bad connection.
Can you hear me? Every time. Sorry, there was a bad connection there. <laughs> Sorry, can you hear me? Are we connection issues about it? I think now it's fine. I said, can you hear me? I no. Think. You can hear me. Okay. Yes, so you were yes, saying yes, yes, uh, about uh, learning modern Olympic fencing. Uh... Yeah. That, yes, the, the difficulty in it is to find a, a, a coach and a club who will actually spend the time and the effort to really teach you useful and in-depth things without you having the potential to bring them medals. And that's an... Uh, it's sort of an annoying but understandable problem with it. Yes. <laughs> you <laughs> like, just yeah, they're you just only going to help get... you if you bring them glory. I, I mean, I mean, yeah. And when you go to sort of like these uh, classes for grown-ups, they you are treated as a hob uh, hobby fencer, which is nice, and you have fun. But it takes an especially dedicated coach to 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 give you the time. And this, it's not easy to find them, really, unfortunately. But it's also understandable, I think, completely. Because I move in those circles and I see what's going on. I can understand. It's still a bit, a, bit annoying. I think. Yeah. It's annoying from both sides, I imagine. Um, yeah. Robin, again, uh, my usual, it's her usual question. Tips for mental space when competing. So tournament mindset. What that's, are your top tips? Yeah, that's that's a very difficult one, uh, <laughs> and I think it it varies for uh, every people, but every person. But um, I know there. Yeah, I, I, I for a long had issues, and especially because I compete against people who are much more experienced and much more pre better prepared uh, than I was. Uh, it is a complete freaky time for me sometimes, or, or it used to be for a long time. Mm -hmm. I think for me, if I can put myself in, a, in the mindset that I'm here to have fun, mm. and uh, I, I don't try to prove that I'm uh, better than I could be. And I accept that without the proper, like there are times when I, there were times when I didn't get the, the teaching that I needed and it was very frustrating for me because maximalism and all kinds of completely outlandish <laughs> but uh, but yeah I I think when I when I see realistically that okay I probably didn't have the the preparation that I needed Mm -hmm. um, so I shouldn't try to compare myself and feel like I'm an idiot. The problem with fencing is that when you mess things up, you feel like you are personally an idiot because mm -hmm. the, the afterward you feel like, of course I should have known what would happen. Uh, of course I should have known what I should do when I was in hindsight an, is twenty twenty. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, it's like a complete bias that that you feel afterwards. I was a complete idiot. To be honest. Uh, it's usually not not the case, and if you feel like, like you are you don't know something or something is not go, not working for you, 
uh, for me, uh, it's usually a, a lesson that probably that thing doesn't work. Hmm. Maybe it's not I who is the stupid one. Maybe that doesn't work. Maybe I need to find another coach. Maybe I need to switch clubs, which I actually did after a long time. Hmm. Um, stuff like that. Um, but unfortunately, I, I can't give the... the, <laughs> the I mean, the final answer on this, because... Well, yeah, but I mean, you said it earlier, you were winning stuff or, or not winning stuff, and you didn't know why, so it was yeah. kind of like a reverse-engineered thing. It wasn't like, I know how to win, so I'm going to win. It's like, I'm winning, but I don't know why. Um, so maybe the mindset thing comes after, it's... I don't know. Yeah, I would say, I would say when you feel like feel completely chaotic and and anxious because you don't know things uh it's you should probably i i for me it helps to accept that yes i don't know these things and it's not by all means my fault because mm -hmm. i'm there i'm going there and i need to find a way to to learn these things these things and the other thing is that um is to set up uh, smaller goals that mm. actually measure smaller things. It's not a binary thing. Mm. It's not a gold medal or nothing. It's more about, I'm going to do this. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go there and I want to try this. Or in this mm. situation, I have these kind of decisions to make. If you, if you need to, you should write, or actually most of the people need, you should write a training diary or after competition, this it happened because I did this. I learned this. I, I did this and it was a stupid idea. And stuff like that. You can, you can keep a diary on this. And if you have a good coach, good coaches tell you afterwards, okay, come here, my friend. See here. I told you to do this and you did it. Fine. I told you not to do that and you did it. Not very fine. Not and I think that's how it goes. <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so find a I mean, mentor that's how the students evaluate themselves, not just mm. not the inside bias, because that's not your friend. You should be able to evaluate and drop the past in the moment when you are fencing, actually. Not just afterwards, mm. like it's a complete mess and I'm a stupid person. Yeah. There is a touch. Your inner critic, your inner critic is not going to help you get better at fencing. Yeah. And, and you should always concentrate on the next hit. And what you have to prepare for mentally is how to analyze and how to understand the situations, like bare bones things. What happened? Did I attack fast? Did I attack slowly? Did I try to parry or defend or what did I try to counter? You have to be aware of these uh, terms, of these tactical terms, to be able to describe what I had in mind and why did that, that. With that, uh, like, an analytical rather than yeah. critical uh, yeah outlook would yeah. you say it that, it's a it good idea that, to record yeah. all your bouts so that you can then digest what's happened <laughs> because personally speaking like if I've had a, a bout especially if it's in a in a tournament I, w I very rarely remember anything that's happened in it even straight yeah. away it's just gone so maybe having a video recording the, that you can study and make probably with your that, instructor yeah. If you have the time and the person who would record it and, and analyze it, then yes. But f 
for the most people, I think it's it's a constraint that you don't have people to record you, you don't have people to discuss with for hours. Mm. For you, watch yourself, it, it's not always when you already know what to look for. Uh, that's mm-hmm. fine, but first you have to learn from uh, someone who knows these kind of uh, concepts uh, what what kind of things you should be looking for. Uh, mm. Fencing, fencing cannot. I I really think that fencing cannot be learned uh, alone. I mean, you need you need coaches. You need unless you are also going against people who have no coaches. Then the one who is naturally the the the, the smartest or or the most skilled, they will probably win. But as soon as there are people who are trained sort of for the combat situations and go in there with an, a plan, then you have a problem and you need this, the same kind of preparation and, and knowledge. So, analysis rather than <laughs> criticism. So see how how you perform uh, and go through with someone who knows what to look for so that you can then inform better inform yourself and make better choices and break, yeah. down, your, break down your goals rather than I want to be on the podium to I want to be able to perform this action at the right time. Yes. Um, let's we've got some more questions coming in. Uh, Chad Arvick, I think that's Terry. Uh, Chadwick, what's the first step as a coach to improve my teaching and produce better fighters? Yeah. Sorry, I'll read that again. What's the first? Can you hear me? Yes, no, yes. Uh, what's the first step as a coach to improve my teaching and to produce better fighters? Yeah, very simple question again. Um... People with a lot of <laughs> answers. <laughs> like we have a quarter of an hour left, so I'm sure we are going to get to the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a, a, a very, a very good and, and brave question. And first of all, for me, I wouldn't do anything without first learning coaching from uh, fencing coaches. Uh, mm-hmm. I know this is a, I, I know this is an answer that many hemas don't probably don't expect or, or like to hear. Mm-hmm. But that's why I went there and did this. So if you ask me, I did this because I thought it was necessary <clears throat> and I think it was a good decision. Um, the other thing is that's very important is to go to the competitions or whatever bouts that, you're, that is important for your students and and see what's going on there regularly. It's very important to be... Uh, in on the new trends and the kind of tactics that are that are winning at the moment mm-hmm. and um, if i if i think about general hema possibilities now you have uh, actually you have people who are also fencing coaches or knowledge of fencing Mm-hmm. So you, it's it's possible to talk to HEMA people or discuss regularly with HEMA people or ask their opinions or whatever, even invite them, for example. But I, to be honest, like a week-long seminar in itself won't change the world much. It's going to be fun. It's going to be probably very 
a lot of useful new ideas, but it won't, in the long term, it won't really change in itself uh, everything. But I think what you need to do is to to keep talking to the people who who know this kind of of stuff. So gain uh, knowledge from the people who know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yes, I mean, I mean, to understand how fencing tactics work, how the various fencing actions work and relate to each other. For me, the most difficult thing is to interpret these to HEMA actions, but it's not impossible. It takes a lot of experimenting and a lot of uh, patience from your students also, from your students, because you are basically te testing things on them and they have to mm -hmm. trust you, mm -hmm. uh, that you are working for them and you are learning from them a lot. I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite sure about that. Even when you are an extremely good coach, you are learning a lot from your students. I've heard from my previous coach, he said that whenever something new comes up in the competition scene, because FIE changes things around sometimes, and sometimes pretty unexpected things, um, <clears throat> he likes to try it out with children, like small children who are not very well, well versed in, in the rules yet. Because they will come up with a with something completely genius and and new approach like they will solve the problem and better than you because you are so much used to the old rules and old trends and old solutions that you probably don't think of some stuff Brilliant. <clears throat> uh is there a good book or website with sports fencing training tips uh, website actually um, Sydney Saber just started posting a series of uh, blogs, blog posts. Sydney Saber. Sydney Saber, yes. Uh, they are posting it uh, on their website and also on Facebook. They are. They have just started to to post about their own fencing course, and it's for grown-ups. Mm -hmm. So I think it's quite useful for Hema. Um, let's see. Now I'm. I feel like if I forget somebody, then they might get offended. But <laughs> no offense, oh, man. It's just... I don't I... think there'll be many sports fencing folks watching this, to be honest. Um, um, actually, there Fencer's Edge, I think, on YouTube. And uh, he, he creates quite great material for footwork. Um... Yeah, we are also there, um, HEMA tactical analysis or HEMA tech. We are there because we are a group of, uh, of fencing coaches who also deal with HEMA. I am first of all doing fencing. Uh, Machai Talaga does HEMA, but he is an AP coach. Mm -hmm. uh, and Wukash uh, Majewski is there, who is also an AP coach and also uh, coaches HEMA. So That's we are also... Hema Tactical Analysis. Yeah, and it's a, we are on Facebook. I have made a website which is a bit lousy at this point, but but it exists. I have uploaded some materials there. When it comes to actual coaching and actual uh, preparing people for fencing, unfortunately, you can't get around the everyday lessons and mm -hmm. and 
footwork and bouting and and feedback and stuff so you there is no magic button that you can press and well stuff yeah. happens unfortunately fair enough uh robin says watching myself makes me feel ill well you gotta do it robin i'm afraid and then ravenheart forge says what weapon system do you feel most comfortable comfortable slash confident using um you mean in hema uh anything i guess Right. I think I've done a lot of German longsword. And so I would say in him that was most convenient or most comfortable for me because I actually know stuff about or knew stuff about it. And at the moment I'm I'm a saber fencer, so I'm doing I'm doing jumpy modern saber <laughs> and lighting speed stuff. And I quite love it. Yeah. Uh, Stefano says Spencer's Edge is great yeah Um, yeah. I've got a question for you from Sasha uh, my host this evening he says how can we encourage more women to compete now that women make up about approximately 20% of the HEMA community Um, and of, of that number even fewer still actually participate in tournaments yeah. i i would say if i think of my own experience just make it normal like women's fencing should be a thing mm-hmm. um it's i know i know i know that uh, in hima this is not always and for everybody an obvious thing mm-hmm. But now that I'm doing fencing, saber fencing, and I move in a world where uh, women's saber or women's fencing is a weapon in itself, basically, like a separate mm-hmm. weapon, and it's obvious that you fence other women and compete. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, and and for my own experiences when I. When I started, uh, I actually coached uh, a club in Budapest for like two years ish. And when I was working there, they didn't have many uh, women fencers. But when we started to introduce regular, uh, like competitive experience and bouting as a regular of training, uh, it became more and more normal for everybody, including women, mm-hmm. to to participate and I think it's quite important that you give uh, I don't know for me it is normal thing to treat and give feedback to men and treat women uh, nothing nothing different from like treat nobody different from anybody else in this sense mm. you give same practical advice it's it's you have to be aware that of course women on average have a bit less strength, uh, so they are not going to do as many moves in one second as probably most of the men do, with mm. some exception. So you prob- you you have to give them advice in the sense of uh, trying to support them to make them win, like not to support them overcome big and strong enemies and whatever, but to 
work with everybody personally on the stuff that uh, that they are struggling with and and this i don't know i i don't where i am moving around and I, when i'm working and training i i don't see this kind of problem honestly mm-hmm. because the approach is sort of probably different i i couldn't say because now i'm not moving around so much in in hema clubs i think it comes but, back to that thing you were saying earlier about that we were saying earlier about the the individualized nature of yeah. coaching i mean in in uh, hema it's called an instructor in sports fencing you say my coach and a coach is very much someone who works with you personally mm-hmm. and if you've yeah. only got an instructor you're one of you're one of a whole bunch of people that they are always addressing and that that individual tailor individually tailored feedback is like gold dust it doesn't really happen whereas i get the impression that in sports fencing that feedback that information is a continuous flow is a continuous supply yeah you're doing this right keep doing this um well done you did this really well you know just just that continuous communication and also to be just to if you are dissatisfied with somebody because mm. you think they should do better that's also quite a good thing because they also feel that you expect them to do something great mm. and you uh, and if they slack off or or like feel unmotivated and then the coach goes there and okay what, why did you not come to training? Why did you do that? Or why, why, whatever are you doing? And so they they feel that they are counted on, they are needed, they, they're important. they are yeah. important. And, mm. and their performance is important, personally. Like, uh, the, next, the next guy performance is inf- important for them, not for mm. you. Your mm. performance, personally, is important for you. It's important to understand it's an individual sport fencing Mm -hmm. you need to uh, sort of raise people to be in this sense a bit egoistic like they are working for their own success and you as a coach are working for their success and they pay for this but it's in no way possible to pay uh, enough like it's the you can't really cash in for the actual care that you put in a person mm. personally uh, it's not an hourly fee if you especially because some fencers need a bit more uh, work sometimes than the others and then it changes this fencer will be in a good mood and top speed whatever so they will go on for some time without a lot of support and whatever but you know, it's it's not possible to measure this with money, or or sort of this kind of resources, but you need to give this kind of input <clears throat> and personally to go above and beyond. Look at the I, and I think it's very, it's very important to have uh, women's competitions, not mixed ones. It's okay; they can enter. I mean. I understand that there are open ones, but I personally think separate competitions are fine. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if, the, if we treat as it as normal basic thing, instead of treating women's tournament as something inferior, then, uh, then I th- think this kind of switch is a bit quicker.
people to just, just normalize women's tournaments support your your fencers give them all the feedback all the encouragement and just make yeah. it normal um yeah you are a, you are a pair that are working for success and yeah. that's it Working for, and you're really working for their success. Yeah. Sorry, sorry for talking away. Okay. I remember something that I wanted to say. When you read um, a, a book on coaching fencing, uh, among the first two chapters, they will say group training is good for training the beginners and some group exercises and footwork. After that, it's individual. And then the actual actual work goes on with uh, lessons. Where you teach personalized and sometimes not personalized, but a personalized tactical sp uh, space for fencers, which they can use to overcome most of the problems. And as they improve, you add some other stuff that can round them up and and like fill in the gaps in their knowledge. And as they improve, and they, it's important to ha have sort of a, a constant <laughs> feed of. Uh, of feeling successful or, or I'm not even sure how to express this but you have to have sort of a, a positive experience yeah regularly. a positive experience uh, yeah. Stefano says Christina my girlfriend yells at me if I don't do my footwork and eat my veggies what do you want well, us you, to say I, I completely support your girlfriend she's <laughs> and you are coming to the wrong person with this I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> Did you want sympathy? Uh, we got about two minutes left. Any more questions for Christina? Um... <laughs> oh, before we run out of time, I'll just make my announcement. So my next guest uh, on Thursday is Kaya Sadowski or Sadowski uh, from Vancouver. Uh, so looking forward to speaking to her. Um, Terry says, great podcast today. I feel reassured that I'm going down the right path. Thanks. Well, that's good. Awesome. Nice. Thank you. Nice. Thank you. Nice feedback. Um, quick question uh, before we get cut off at the end. Uh, what is your proudest achievement um, as a coach and event organizer, or event organizer. Okay, let's see. Last year, Stirnhau, because I, I, I participated in organizing. I, I, I had, I was asked to bring a bunch of completely new referees from Hungary, and we uh, prepared them, and they, they were quite good, especially some of them who never worked at competitions before and I was very happy. I wrote I I I I wrote a quite important set of guidelines with the rules of this event because I, I was sure it they needed this to be able to argue their decisions. And that was okay, this latter one I'm proud of having done it. And the other one, I was proud uh, of these guys who actually just went out there with uh, not even less training. And they just, they, we together just ran a complete event with, uh, with Anton. And well done. I, yeah, it was, I think this is 
the most outstanding one, especially in HEMA. <laughs> you took a bunch of baby referees and made them into real referees. Actually, I had some. I had a girl who, actually, it was uh, Rebecca Regenyei, sister of Peter Regenyei, the sword maker. She, out of nothing, basically, she never really did this kind of work, work before, and she ended up refereeing elimination bouts. Wow. With, with, of course, I assisted her, but she made the decisions, and she was awesome. Fantastic. And, yeah, and yeah, so and and there were other others who are a bit more experienced, but they also did a quite great job. This is a very high load, a full day of constant refereeing, and with a quite big uh, responsibility and analyzing all the the action, like uh, modern saber style analysis. Yeah. Brilliant. I think one of the most, I think probably after after being a competitor in a tournament, probably one of the most daunting things you can do in HEMA is being a referee. Uh, just of a just of a pool match, but I mean, but just to then just do like eliminations and finals is a huge amount of pressure on you. Just, Actually, uh, do... when you are referee, you are the person who conveys the experience of the whole event. Mm. Doesn't matter that really if even if the the event itself is extremely well organized, if mm. there is a bad referee or making bad decisions or behaving in a way that is obnoxious, mm. uh, the fencers will feel the whole thing through them, mm. and that's what happens because the fencers go there to compete and have a good experience of fencing and a mm. fair outcome, and the referee can is the real bottleneck there. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, some, some comments here. Um, thank you for the answers and perspective, says Robin, Ravenheart Forge. It was great to get the perspective of someone who's done both HEMA and modern Olympic fencing. 20 seconds left. Stefano says, Christina, you... We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Go to at Swordwomen on Instagram to see upcoming interviews. Or visit bythesword.net for information about our event. Or look for our Facebook page, By the Sword.